This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. From MPB Think Radio, this is Money Talks. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, president of New Perspectives, and Ryder Taft, portfolio manager at New Perspectives. They're both chartered financial analysts. Ryder holds the Certificate in Investment Performance Measurement from the CFA Institute. New Year means a new start for good habits. So let's talk about your money plans for 2022. What are your savings goals, your retirement contribution goals, and do you have a budget to help you achieve those goals? You can listen to our suggestions, and we want to hear your questions. Contact us by email. Our address is money at mpbonline.org. So uh, before we get into the financial news of the week, I'd like to uh, do a little bit of uh, back back patting. Um, when I paid off my car note a couple of about a year or so ago, I, instead of putting that money back into my quote unquote general fund, I created a savings account uh, where I was saving up for a deposit on what would be my next car. Well, my car had some kind of serious uh, car trouble. Had to get a new catalytic converter, about two thousand dollars worth of uh, work on my car to get it back running. However, I had money in my savings account, so I am covered. So, uh, my, that's right, Nancy. I think you, there you go, Nancy. You've talked about that sort of, you know, when you get a windfall to put some for fun, but put some away. And after all the right. years that we've been together on the show, Nancy, it is starting to wear into my brain. So, <laughs> you're listening. I'm so proud of you, Kevin. Thank yeah. you. Maybe, uh, maybe age is helping. Uh, that might be the case. I think so. <laughs> but it is a good. Feeling to know because you know you think oh gosh that's a lot of money uh, but even going into it I knew that I would be able to be covered uh, because I had that uh, that emergency fund for and again it wasn't necessarily set up for that but uh, it did I can use it for that and actually I'm thinking of uh, continuing when I get a new car because everyone knows that cars require routine maintenance that sometimes can be a little pricey so uh, you know to have a car fund is not a bad idea I don't think. I think it's a great idea. Well, thank you. All right, so Nancy, good uh, Happy New Year to you. What uh, what uh, financial news is on your mind this morning? Oh, Kevin, you know you always love to give us quizzes. Yes. So I have some quizzes for you, Uh-oh. and I'm not going to give you a multiple choice list either when I when I uh, give this quiz. But um, I've been looking at retail numbers, and of course, during COVID, we've all been ordering online. Um, I am probably the biggest culprit there. I'm on first name basis with my UPS driver. (laughs) But um, this last year in 2021, what percentage of our total retail was online? Um, 70%. Oh my gosh, no. (laughs) Well, nobody's going to stores anymore. They've simply (laughs) ceased to exist. So I guess and, I overshot the mark a bit. Yeah, and, and it felt like it was more than that. And we've been talking for a long time about this huge growth in e-commerce. And, yes, it is growing, but it's still only a small part of our overall retail spending. We still like to go to stores. And so we're starting to see that happening again. We had a really good season overall with an increase in retail of about 8.5%. So here's your other question. Um, which category of retail goods had the biggest bounce last year? Bounces in more spending in? Yeah. Um, I've got a guess here, too. 
Uh, I'm stumped. What do you got, Ryder? I, I'm, I'm going to guess, like, cars? No, no. Apparel. Oh. Because, oh, yeah, because we course. stopped buying clothes. But is that percentage or dollar-wise? Mm, I just have a Because we're definitely spending we more on dollars on cars. But then again, we also did buy a lot of cars in 2020 as well. So maybe that's, right. maybe that's it's, it's not as dramatic as I'm thinking. And, and maybe it slowed down, but this could be excluding uh, automobiles. But we had an increase of 47.3% in the apparel category. So we're all uh, ditching the pajamas and the sweatpants and starting to go back to work and uh, cleaning up nicely. So that's helping our clothing retailers who really suffered a lot through the last couple of years. All right. Well, I got some socks for Christmas, so that will that will go into the retail column for last Good. year. And I, I bought some towels to ring in the new year, so that hey. sort of counts, doesn't it? <laughs> then you can ring ring out the old. <laughs> All right. So, Ryder, what about the financial news on your mind? Yes. So we were talking yesterday in the office uh, about gas prices. They're they're very volatile, which I think is one reason why they're kind of interesting to track. But the the fact of the matter is, we use we use less and less gas um, every day, uh, every year. But one of the things impacts so gas prices have gone up. I talked about a couple of weeks ago when they had gone down 50 cents. Well, they're back up about 50 cents. And one of the factors I'm looking at is, and this is, this might be a little bit of a stretch, is there's kind of increasing tension between Russia and Ukraine, Russia and Kazakhstan. So kind of Russia kind of reasserting their old dominance over their, their neighbors and their former Soviet bloc. Uh, neighbors and they export they don't have a huge economy their stock market is a very tiny part of the global stock market but they do export a lot of petroleum unrefined petroleum refined petroleum gas uh, coal things like that so so energy is a big deal and they're sending a lot of that to their neighbor China and a lot to uh, Europe mm-hmm. and so and so that could be a factor is people are a little concerned about the flow of gas and the flow of, of petroleum being cut off there because it's a global commodity, even if it's we're talking about oh, gas and, and oil going to Europe. That is something which, you know, a lot of that's coming from the Middle East anyway, um, although the United States produces much of its own energy these days. So it's, it's not something that necess- should necessarily necessarily affect the U.S. economy much, but there will certainly be some impacts if if, if there's any more escalation, if there's any if there's any economic sanctions. Just not a lot of influence between the U.S. and Russia anymore, but for China and for Europe, there is a lot of connection and a lot more trade. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Today we're talking about ways that you can start uh, 2022 on good financial footing. If you have a personal finance question for us, you can call in. Also, though, if you have a plan for how you get uh, your priorities straight, uh, financially speaking, in the new year, we'd love for you to call in and share that. I think uh, when people call in and and talk about how they do things, it gives uh, encouragement and ideas to uh, those of us that are also listening to the show uh, to maybe adapt those uh, to our own situation. So, Nancy, if someone came into some extra 
extra money in December or maybe expecting a raise in January. What do you think are the things they should think about before just going willy-nilly and spending it all? Well, anytime you get a raise, that's when I encourage people to look at your employer retirement plan. And before you incorporate that raise into your spending, because if it gets in your pocket, my gosh, it's going to be gone. Go ahead and uh, increase what you're putting in your 401k. This year, the amount, which is the maximum contribution to a 401k, is 20500 That is huge. Most people can never even get close to that. And if you're 50 or older, you can add 6500 to that to make it 27000 And most of the time when I ask people, well, what are you contributing to your employer plan, they will tell me, I'm doing the max. And when I start to ask them what that is, it's not this 20500 It's the most that their employer will match. And you need to go above and beyond that if you really want to be prepared for retirement. So if you get a raise, and a lot of people have gotten raises because the labor market is tight and employers want to hang on to their existing employees. So at least... Uh, cut that in half, and and let's suppose you get a four percent raise. Increase what you're what's going into your four hundred one k by two percent, and put the extra two percent in your pocket. With what goes in your pocket, um, back to what you did, Kevin. Put more into that savings account, that emergency account, which can cover all kinds of things. It can cover things like I want to have a vacation this year because we all want to have a vacation this year, right? Um, and some of those extra things that you want to do. And uh, But do you fool yourself by going ahead and pushing more into savings before it gets into your hands and gets spent and you can't account for it? Uh, so, Ryder, I guess uh, HR would be the department uh, in most uh, organizations where someone would go to uh, to talk about those uh, the financial contributions. Yes, uh, HR or payroll. That's generally since that's a payroll deduction. Whoever is running the payroll is is going to have a view onto that and can and can do those changes. And I have seen some folks, maybe if you're working at a larger company, you have a pretty slick online interface. Those are getting better these days where you can make the request through there, maybe even make the changes without having to go hunt down the person who's in charge. This is one. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, there's a, there's a lot of other limits that have increased. Nancy did mention the 401k limit going up. The regular Roth and traditional uh, contributions have stayed the same, but the simple IRA, which is a less common but uh, very good for small businesses. We have uh, one at, at our office as we're a small business. They, that one has gone up by $500 as well because that kind of fills the gap in between a, just a personal IRA contribution and a 401k. And there's, there's a number of other ones. The IRS does inflation adjustments on all sorts of things, you know, where our tax brackets are, what the earned income tax credit is, where that is where all sorts of deductions are. One thing that a lot of, I almost missed here at the end of the year last year was that the 
exclusion for gifts. So we call that the gift tax exclusion. You can give someone up to $16,000 each year without either of you having to worry about the tax consequences there. If you give more than that, you have to pay gift tax. You're essentially paying some tax on their behalf because they're receiving it. But that went up from 15000 That hasn't. I feel like that hasn't been adjusted in a number of years. And that's often something that folks use as an estate planning tool when they're retired, they're looking at their assets, they're looking at what they have, and they say, okay, well, I know I have more than I'll ever need, but my children need more support, or my children need some support, or I'm giving to help my grandchildren with their college expenses. That's the limit you want to look at because, again, that's the limit where below that, as long as you're giving less than $16,000, you are not going to have a tax hassle. You're not going to have much reporting requirements and certainly not going to have anything to pay for them. If you have a question for our experts, send an email to money at mpbonline.org. We're talking about suggestions for actions in the new year, and we've got some ways to find money to put towards your savings or retirement next. We'll have that for you next. You're listening to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. presented on Money Talks is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information presented does not create any type of relationship between the hosts and guests and the listening audience. Please consult a financial advisor or any other qualified professional for guidance about your personal finance questions. Hi, I'm Jason Klein from Fix It 101. If you ever thought about changing the doorknob or fixing a leaky faucet, some jobs just aren't that difficult, and yes, you can do it. If you want to find out how to do those things, listen to Fix It 101, podcast everywhere. You're listening to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Our website, moneytalks.mpbonline.org, is one way to hear past Money Talks broadcasts. You can also download the MPB Public Media app. Then you get to listen on your iPhone or Android phone to all the local MPB Think Radio shows on demand. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, President of New Perspectives and Ryder Taff, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. So is eating out eating into your ability to save by planning meals to eat it? home or bring from home, you might be able to put more money towards savings or retirement. If that intrigues you, I would challenge you to just for a month keep track of how much money you would save by uh, not eating out as much, and I would bet you that it's a little bit more than you might expect. We have got a caller on the line, so why don't we say good morning to Charles, called in from Jackson today. Good morning, Charles. You're on the air with us. Go ahead. Good morning. How are you all doing doing this this morning? Doing good. Good What's your question for us? Uh, question: The uh, 
the tips that you're giving, uh, at what income level would you think that these techniques would be more effective? Like, you know, like, I don't know, like an odd question, but, you know, Mississippi's average income is about probably 45000 a year. So, how, so that particular income level you, you feel that these techniques would work best for? Charles, I'm Charles are you, you talking about the, the, the gifting that I was talking about just a minute ago? What? Well, just well, that uh, that too, you know, just that, you know, how do you, do you see a particular income level that, that these, these tips are more, more effective or, or better, you know, attainable? Sure. So the, for the gifting, it's less about income level and more about assets. And so... And that can come asset growth, particularly if someone has just been a disciplined saver, they've invested prudently, and they've had a long time in the market. We're usually not talking about folks gifting when they're still working age. It's folks who have retired and their nest egg has just grown and grown, or maybe the value of their home or some land they own has just grown and grown. It's not necessarily related to their income, although, of course, if you make more money, you can generally save more money, but I've definitely seen the opposite happen. And so gifting is is just a way of moving those assets to the next generation, moving those assets to people who, who might need or want them more. And that is that is separate from simply charitable giving, which everyone can do, and and there are tax benefits, which the higher tax, the more the benefit. And then some other things that Nancy was mentioning, the increased savings rate, uh, increased amounts you can put into a 401k. Of course, you have to have access to a 401k to put money in there. This is The increase does not apply to the personal IRAs. But that can that can also work across a number of income levels as well. Of course, again, the higher your income tax level, then the more dollar benefit you're going to receive. But anybody working at a place that offers a 401k, that is a great benefit. And that is a great benefit at any income level for a number of reasons. One, you do save on taxes. Just across the board, you save on taxes. And in the state of Mississippi, you save on that state tax, state tax, and you'll never have to pay that state tax again. So it's, it's just eliminating the state tax for you at your, at your last dollar that you're putting in. Two, it's an automatic savings. That's just a great benefit. Having a, a tool, having someone, having another entity help you do the savings, help you put money aside for the future, that's a huge benefit that is not to be underestimated at any income level. And so the, the automatic part of it, there are some tax savings. And then lastly, employers will often offer some sort of incentive to participate, be it a small match, a large match, or sometimes they will pay in a profit sharing or bonus type payment in at the end of the year. So those are across the board. Any, anyone can benefit from from using a 401k, and of course, the increased savings amount just makes it more attractive for those who are able to save that dollar amount. So, Nancy, what about you? Uh, th- thoughts on saving habits for for lower income workers? Well, I always say, Kevin, um, here in Mississippi, we have uh, the lowest household income, median household income, 
But that makes it even more important for our citizens to understand about finance, about saving and investing. And I have seen people with not a huge income accumulate a nice amount because they're disciplined and because they learn about investing and they then invest appropriately. So here in Mississippi, we have fewer pennies, so it's more important that we make use of those pennies as well as we can and learn about it, which is why we are so passionate about trying to educate people and encourage them Kevin, encourage them to save and prepare and um, and learn about finance, and it's going to make life a whole lot easier. All right, uh, Charles, we appreciate your calling in this morning. Any additional questions or thoughts? No, thank you very much, you and you all have a good day. All right, thanks, Charles, thank for the call. So, Nancy, as we enter a new year, might be a good time, financially speaking, to look back over the last year. If you choose to do that, what should you be looking over? Well, this is a great time just to look at uh, your accounts, your savings accounts, your checking account, your retirement accounts, any other accounts you have. This is typical for our clients to say, it's time for our portfolio review. Let's look at everything. Have Do you have enough? Are you prepared? Are we meeting that goal that we set? And what are the particular investments? For someone who has an employer plan, beyond just making sure you're putting enough in it, it is also your responsibility to choose the investments that will get you where you need to go. So this is a good time to look at those. If you need help, talk to a financial advisor and get someone who is objective to take a look at that. Our clients often ask us to do that for their employer plans and uh, make sure that it's enough for you. For our retirees, we're talking to them about their cash flow needs. Um, we have a lot of folks who actually are not spending enough. You know, that that's a strange place to be in, but if you're retired, you always have that sense of um, insecurity. Like, it's never gonna be enough. I've earned my last penny and this is all there is. And part of our job is to show people that they can loosen up, that they can enjoy because you cannot take it with you. So it's that delicate balance between making sure you have enough to last and cover what, whatever comes up and then enjoying the fruits of your labor. Back to the phone lines we go. This time Georgia's on the line from Jackson. Good morning. You're on the air. Go ahead. Good morning. How are you this morning? Good. I, I, have, I have a quick question. I ordered a part from uh, Amazon. Uh, it was a $1,200 part. Uh, part didn't fit, so we took the part back. Took back obviously through the wrong route. We paid for the for the the postage, and we learned later that we were supposed to send it another way. I think we sent it back to China. Anyhow, I, it was charged on my credit card. I'm having to pay the credit card company because somehow the part lost in in action. Can you tell me how I get Amazon to reimburse my money because? We can't, my credit card company will not, I'm paying for a part that I don't have, and they don't, they say they don't have the part. 
Georgia, you were cut down a little bit. Let me just make sure we understand what you're saying. You ordered the part. Uh, it arrived. It was not the right part. You attempted to return it, apparently not necessarily exactly the same way. The part is lost now, and the charge is showing up on your credit card. Is that the situation? Absolutely. That's correct. Uh, Ryder, Nancy, who wants to take a stab at that? Ryder, why don't you go ahead? Yeah, I'll go first. Um, so, obviously, it sounds like you have worked with the seller. You've tried to work with the specific seller. You've tried to work with Amazon on a getting a refund, and that is not working. My The next step is see what your credit card company can do for you. So, sometimes they may just waive a charge. They they have a lot more clout <laughs> with Amazon and the and the reseller than you do. Of course, they're processing millions of dollars of transactions for them. So they've got a lot more clout and if it's something particularly just it's not something that you come to them all the time for, they may be able to do something there. They may be able to uh, kind of beat down the door of, of one of those and, and get the refund that, that you are owed. So another thing I would say, this is just a cautionary tale, you know, and I, I do I hate to hear it. I, mean, I always hate to hear somebody spends a lot of money and, and it's just not the right thing, be that a, a mistake in ordering, be that a mistake in shipping. You know, I, don't, I don't know. But it's very important, especially because especially that's so common, it is going online, searching around. You've done all the hard work of searching for the best price on the right part. Another part of that search, folks need to remember, is what is the guarantees, what are the warranties, what are the return policies, and those are going to be different everywhere. And sometimes I know we comparison shop and we find something, and it's and it's cheaper than finding it locally. It's cheaper than finding it in store. But if you look around, you realize that you're missing out on a lot of value just in guarantees. And, and having having a, a longer warranty uh, can give you the confidence that you need to buy something, and that may make it more attractive to, to pay a little bit more on, on the front end. But, but again, once you have gone to the retailer, uh, to Amazon and that whoever the, the reseller on Amazon is, then your credit card company is the next step. And Make sure, make sure, make sure you have all of your documentation, all of your ducks in a row, including things like when you mailed it back, what was the service you used, if you had any tracking numbers, uh, so that they can confirm everything in your story. Uh, Nancy, I thought I heard Georgia saying again. We had a little bit of trouble with the with the phone line, but I thought she said that the credit card company was not taking any action. If that's the case, is there right. any other recourse? Right. Well, um, I, I will echo what Ryder said. Um, and Georgia, do you have a record of when you sent this back? Do we? I have. I have. Yes. Okay. If you have, if you have the record of sending it back, what I would tell you is to um, dispute the charge in writing. So write a letter to your credit card company. Send copies of that record showing you sent it back, um, all that information that you have. So it is then registered as a disputed 
charge. And that is going to be your best avenue for getting the credit card company to do something. So just calling them up and saying, I sent it back, may not get you there, but something in writing where you are saying, I dispute this charge, I returned it, here is evidence of the return. Now, what your problem may be with Amazon, and I know this because I'm a big Amazon orderer, is that when you want to return something, you do have to follow their protocol. So um, it takes you through this whole list of how you send something back, uh, whether it's uh, something that's automatically generated through their system or you have to do it yourself, all of that has to be done appropriately or you're going to have a problem. So that's, a, again, the cautionary tale, making sure you send it back by their process. But try a, a written dispute to your credit card company. All right, uh, Georgia, thanks for your call. Hopefully uh, we gave you some information that might be helpful to uh, resolve that situation. We're talking about actions to take in the new year. We've got a few more ways to find money that could go towards savings or retirement. We'll tell you that next. You're listening to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB public media app. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. Money Talks is MPB Think Radio's personal finance broadcast. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lotter-Janderson, president of New Perspectives, and Ryder Taft, portfolio manager at New Perspectives. They're both chartered financial analysts. Ryder holds the Certificate in Investment Performance Measurement from the CFA Institute. Think about all the streaming services available these days. You have Apple TV+, Amazon Prime Video, Disney+, Netflix, HBO Max, Paramount+, Peacock, Hulu, Discovery+. And it seems like every time you turn on the television set, there's another streaming service. How many of those do you pay for? All of them? Some of them? You know, we talked about reviewing your uh, financial matters. Take a look back last year and how many of those services did you actually use? If you didn't use them, get rid of them. Maybe you can save some money that way that goes towards your monthly budget or goes into retirement savings. Got some callers to get to. Let's go back to the phone lines. We'll begin in Mobile. Dan has called in today. Good morning, Dan. Go ahead. Good morning. Thanks for taking my call. I have a question about uh, the implications of uh, a gift. I have a son in medical school, so naturally we're supporting him to some extent with those costs. Uh, and I don't understand the 
the difference between just simply paying for some of the costs and declaring it as a gift. Uh, that's one question. The second question is, you said there were no tax implications. Um, if the gift is sourced from a uh, pre-tax IRA, uh, would we still have to pay taxes on, on what's withdrawn from that IRA, IRA uh, if it's declared a gift? Okay. So. So let me just first address that last question. If you take money out of a pre-tax IRA, out of a traditional IRA, out of a deferred IRA, out of a 401k, an account that is not a Roth IRA, a traditional IRA, then you pay taxes on it because you withdrew it. Now, what you do with that money doesn't matter. You can spend it on groceries. You could. You could. Put it, you could put it in an investment account. You can give it to someone else. That doesn't have any bearing on the fact that you pay taxes for that withdrawal. So the gifting, I do not believe that includes things like paying directly for someone's tuition. I, I don't. That's. I don't think that's included because that would be that would be insane. Obviously, parents across the country would be giving quite a lot of money to their uh, their college age kids, and that could create some really weird tax situations for folks. So, so yes, if you're helping pay for medical school, that's fine. It's giving them money or assets directly, which which is where the issue comes up, and including you know, say an allowance for rent or something like that. Uh, let's see. It's not, so gifting, it's not that you declare it as a gift. It's just that if you give over that amount in any given year, so in, in that as well, you can give that much. You can give sixteen thousand. Your spouse can give sixteen thousand. If you have, for instance, a child who is married and has a kid, you could you could give sixteen thousand to your child, your 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 child's spouse, your child's child, your so your grandchild and your your spouse could do the same. So you could actually end up giving significantly more. It's it's kind of, when you view it that way, a very flexible thing. Um, and, and it's not that it's declared. It's that if you give more than that, there are implications. There are, there are gift taxes that you have to pay because essentially it looks like they're getting income and it looks like you're trying to avoid a state tax. Dan, did we give you the information you need? I think so. So, so basically there's no tax advantage, uh, current tax advantage to to giving a amount as a gift. I guess the, the advantage is sometime in the future, hopefully far in the future, when those assets are transferred, maybe it avoids an inheritance tax or uh, maybe it reduces uh, required minimum distributions for an IRA. Does, does that sound correct? Yes, that, that's correct. There's the, you're not getting any tax break. You're not getting any tax deduction. The recipient is also not paying any tax on it, so, so that's important, If it's especially when you're thinking about someone who maybe they're facing a choice of 
looking at someone in, in, in school. They're facing a choice of having to go work extra hours, which might interfere with their school, and also would be earnings that they're taxed on versus maybe getting a little bit of parental support and, and making it through the semester that way. So that that's the kind of here and now implication is that they are whoever the recipient is getting money um, the the tax uh, the tax consideration is simply that limit above which above which there are implications below which you're just kind of good to go all right, uh, Dan, thank you for your call. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Next up on the phone lines, we'll speak with Megan, who's called in from Jackson. Good morning, Megan. You're on the air. Good morning. Thank you very much. Helen, just a moment. Okay. Go ahead. Hello? Yeah, go ahead. You're on the air with us. Okay, I'm sorry. That was a lot of feedback. So here's my question. So once you get to be about 60, um, how are you supposed to budget for, let's say, um, elder care or long-term care? A lot of people don't have the um, long-term care policies, and at that point, they're so expensive you can't afford them. So the only thing you can do, if, let's say you have to go, you either will need probably at-home care or a nursing home. How are you supposed to budget for that? Boy, that's a tough one, Megan. Um, and you're correct. The best time to purchase long-term care insurance is when you're in your 50s. And so many times people don't think about it until they hit 65 or 70, and it's too expensive. So what you hope is that you've accumulated enough assets to cover your needs. Now, some people will say, I, I'm just going to spend down my assets, and then I will depend on Medicaid. But Medicaid um, has a limits on what it will cover, limits on kind of in-home care, uh, limits on choices in institutional care. Typically, you're not going to go to an assisted living with Medicaid. You're going to go to a nursing home. So if you want to have your own choices about end of life, then that means it's up to you to save and prepare for that. This becomes really difficult when I have a couple that I'm dealing with, because if I have two people and one person has to go to some sort of institutional care and the other person is staying home, that's a situation where we're trying to support two households. If I'm left with one person, then usually I've got a house that is paid for, that house can be sold and the proceeds can be used at that time. But it's going to be very expensive, and that's probably the biggest reason for really saving and accumulating is to get yourself for those ready for those last few years of your life and so that it can be your choice. If you're talking about in-home care, um, having someone there 24-7, that is incredibly expensive. And so many people will opt for nursing home care simply because it is cheaper at that point. Um, with nursing home and Medicaid, there are limits on your assets, limits on your income, so a lot of people do not even qualify. Don't count on that. Make sure you can cover your own needs and you can do it the way you want to. Okay. Thank you. Thanks for your call, Megan. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Today we're talking about ways to get a great money start to the new year. And we've got one more suggestion for finding some money to save. We'll have that for you next. You're listening to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. 
Hi, I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, host of Southern Remedies Relatively Speaking, a show that explores issues that relate to you and your family, from mental health obstacles and family interactions to handling life's disruptions. Whatever it is, we're here to help. Find out what we're all about and subscribe to the podcast by using any podcast app or by downloading our MPB Public Media app. Hi, it's Rachel Martin with NPR's Morning Edition. People have stories about their car, that long summertime family road trip, that hand-me-down first car they got when they turned 16, the first car they bought on their own. And cars can generate other kinds of stories, like the kind you hear on this station. When you donate a vehicle to this station, the proceeds bring you stories from around the world. Here's how to get started. Donate your car, motorcycle, boat, or RV by going to mpbonline.org. We're glad you found our show, Money Talks. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, president of New Perspectives and Ryder Taft, portfolio manager at New Perspectives. Here's a program reminder. Every Tuesday at 10 a.m., immediately following our show, you can listen live to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. So do you still need life insurance now? Is your car overinsured? What about homeowner's insurance? Is that the correct amount? It's always good to take some time to check out your insurance needs and what you're uh, paying for to see if you can save yourself some money that way. So uh, we are talking about ways to get uh, 2022 off to a good start, financially speaking. Still a little bit of time. If you have a phone call, the number is one mpb ring It's one 672 So, Nancy, we talk a lot about budgeting on this show. What are some reasons why budgeting uh, is a good idea? Well, it allows you to see where your money is going, where it's coming from. Um, and I'm not a great one to stick closely to a budget, but I do think it's a good practice to at least once a year sit down and look at all of your expenditures over a year. How much does it take for you to live the way you want to live? And also to focus on those things that you're not getting value out of. You know, you mentioned uh, maybe you're overinsured. Um, maybe that list of streaming services, and by the way, Kevin, I have them all plus a few more. Um, you know, maybe you're not getting the most out of your money, so it's a good chance chance for you to look at that and then really it's more more important to budget your savings and and that includes your retirement savings and if you do that and then you can live comfortably on what is left so it's really just important to live within your means make sure you're not accumulating consumer debt which is those credit cards and uh, you're saving for the long haul uh, you know, right away, talk about benefits of a budget, a good budget. I would think one of the biggest ones is sort of peace of mind. Yes, that's that's a good one because you you know you know that you're capable of living within the money that you're getting that that within your income. So you know, say you make two thousand dollars in a period, and you've made yourself a budget, and your budget is eighteen hundred dollars. Then you know you can be confident that. Yeah, there might be some some surprises one way or the other, but you know you can live on the money that you are bringing in. And like Nancy said, super important to budget for your savings. So make sure, one, make sure that you have savings built into there, and then two, prioritize that. 
make sure that you are saving a couple of dollars before you add another streaming service. If you have, if you're looking at a, your third streaming service and it's going to be ten dollars a month, how about you make sure you're saving an extra ten dollars first as well. And there's a lot of benefits to having a budget. I say this all the time, that saving is a habit. It's a habit that you need to get into young, and it's a habit that you need to keep for your whole life. And budgeting is what's going to help you form that habit. Because if you if you budget to build some savings in from the first time you get a paycheck, then you're going to get into that habit. You're always going to have some savings, no matter how small you start. We, because like Nancy said earlier, you can grow that. You can say, oh, I got a 4% raise. I'm going to bump my 401k contribution up. I'm going to, I got a small bonus or I did, I did some extra work on the weekend. So I got paid more and I can use that to build up my savings. So it gives you a good review of your expenses as well. I think that the beginning of the year is a great time to look at your budget. You can say, okay, I had a budget last year. I had a budget for part of last year. What did I overspend in? What did I underspend in? Was there a category that I just didn't need whatsoever? It sounds like everyone overspent in in buying clothes last year because we <laughs> underspent in 2020 on clothes. Maybe we we accidentally eliminated that from our budget. Eliminated that from our budget, but that's a, a deep review of what your spending actually was and how you felt about sticking to it. If you had a strict budget somewhere and, and you were just pushing up against it all the time and you really wanted to go over it, maybe you do need to open that. Maybe you do need to loosen up a little on that. If you had a budget on something that you just never really, you never, you never spent all that money. It was always there. Maybe. Maybe you need to think, is that something that I even care to have anymore? Does it matter anymore? Am I actually buying clothes or cars anymore? What What is it? You don't have to budget forever. As long as you get in those habits of saving, and, and you do that through not overspending. We've got about two minutes left in the show, and a final call is on the line. We'll speak with Michael. Good morning, Michael. You're on the air with us. Yes, good morning. I'm calling about single premium life policies. I'm a little older and live in Mississippi, so I'm a little fatter. And I was wondering, what do you think of those and what would be the lowest denomination I could purchase? Is it 5, 10, 25,000? Are you talking about a life insurance policy? Yes. And how old are you, Michael? 60. Okay. Are you still working? I'm, I'll start back soon. Okay. Um, so who are you trying to protect if, if you are no longer there? Who would lose your... Uh, 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 trying to, you know, increase wealth going forward for my kids. Okay. Um, well, I, I think the real question is, do you need life insurance at this point? Is there someone who's going to be still dependent on your income? At age 60, your kids may be grown and earning their own income. If you have a spouse then yes, you might need some life insurance. Uh, but for a lot of people that we work with, as you get older, the need for life insurance is less and less. Okay, there's no spouse, the kids are older. I would just like to, I, I've left some assets, but I thought this would be a way to leave additional assets. Okay, well, it would be one way you could do that, and for some people, they want to make sure they cover burial costs and leave a little bit to their uh, children. 
But if you look at those policies, make sure it's a policy that makes sense for you. Um, is it really going to pay off? Is it cost effective? Could you do better by taking those premiums and put it in an account where you save and you can pass that on? Um, so you just really need to think of, about what you're doing there. All right, Michael, thanks for that call. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. One final tip I have is when uh, savings, uh, I go ahead and do an automatic uh, debit each out, out of my account each month so I know for sure that I'm going to put that money in my savings account, and it's not one of those where, oh, well, I'll borrow it this month and I'll double up next month. So to me, that helps out. It's automatically coming out of there so I don't have to worry uh, about that. I just budget it along uh, with the rest of my budget. That'll wrap us up for today. Money Talks is a production of MPB Think Radio, funded in part by generous financial support from listeners. To hear today's show or a previous show, you can go to moneytalks.mpbonline.org or listen to the podcast by searching for Money Talks on your favorite podcasting app. Our show is produced by Liz Gill and our call screener today was Java Chapman. So for Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson and Ryder Taff, I'm Kevin Farrell. Join us every Tuesday at 9 for Money Talks. It's heard only on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast.